0: Hello, everybody. I'm Dr. Laura. Welcome to another episode of Where Work Meets Life. Today, we're going to discuss the mind-body cure, the impacts of chronic stress, and how to reclaim our wellness. We're here with Dr. Belle Pawa, who is an amazing human being. I got to meet uh, through the professional speaking circuit. She speaks all around the world on this topic of the mind, body, and her latest best-selling book is The Mind, Body, Cure, which is a beautiful toolkit of the whole healing process. She has a very impactful life story of how she became a physician who turned her focus to integrative medicine. She's been practicing for 30-plus years in the health field, and she got a certification in the mind-body medicine area from the Harvard Medical School. She also did training with one of my favorite leaders, Deepak Chopra. Uh, One of her claims to fame is the co-founder of the West Coast Women's Clinic in Vancouver, BC, 22 years ago almost, and it was one of the first of its kind in the country, really taking an angle of integrative medicine and connecting the mind body so science with other forms of healing she's a clinical instructor at UBC faculty of medicine she loves mentoring younger physicians as they start their careers and journeys and I have so much more to say but I'm going to pass the mic to you uh, Dr. Powa, to tell us a little bit more about yourself
1: Thank you, Laura. Thank you for having me on your show. And I just love it when you put your focus on bringing good information to your audience. And so I applaud you for that. Um, yeah, a little bit about myself. Um, I'm, I was a pharmacist and then I went to medical school and of course as doctors, we get the standard medical training and you graduate and you start working. And, uh, as you know, our medical system is very much an intervention model. You know, you have a symptom, you have a drug, we call it a pill for every ill. And I was able to experience it firsthand as, as you said, from a physician to a patient. And that was quite a remarkable uh, perspective, you know, to to finish doing a delivery at the hospital one minute, and then just an hour later being wheeled back on a stretcher after being in a horrific car accident, and lying on a stretcher, and just taking a perspective uh, as a patient. And that began my seven-year journey, and it really highlighted a lot of things. I'm a It was very challenging because I was pregnant with our third child. And in the uh, accident, I actually lost the baby. So there was the loss. There was the PTSD from the, the car accident. But uh, the chronic pain and the surgeries, it really made me realize what patients are up against in our, in our system, which is wonderful in many ways, but it certainly does not address prevention, self-care, the mind-body connection, and that really, I think, is vital When it comes to healing chronic disease, chronic anxiety, uh, I think intervention is wonderful, but we really need to focus on prevention and teaching patients the tools that come from within for healing.
0: I couldn't agree more. That resonates so much with me, and and your story is so impactful, your your lived experience, because from what I understand from from reading your book and hearing your TEDx, which is fantastic, by the way, um, you've really applied this to yourself, um, and you've healed yourself through all of these practices. Well,
1: you know, I think that TED Talk people invited me because it's an idea worth Spreading. And the idea I had was a very complex one because the autonomic nervous system, which is our nervous system that found in our brainstem, every one of us has one. But to learn how to master it, to learn how to navigate it, learning that we have one and we can actually help to make it work for you rather than against you, was a very profound shift in my career and in my personal life, in my personal healing. And what I want your audience to know is that once they learn that they have a nervous system and they can regulate it, they can actually turn on their own internal pharmacy. So you make a shift biochemically, hormonally. Uh, when we're in fight or flight, this nervous system, is, it's like you have your foot on the gas all the time. So you produce cortisol and adrenaline. And these hormones of hell, I call it, hormones wreak havoc with your tissues. Sure, you can be in fight or flight for a short time, run out of the way of danger or react. But if you're in chronic stress or chronic pain all the time, These hormones uh, interfere with your normal functioning. Now, the opposite of, of fight or flight is the rest and repair. And that's when you make very, very profound chemicals of healing. That's why it's called rest and repair. So you biochemically can shift out of fight or flight and go into rest and repair, make DHEA, serotonin. How many people do you know on antidepressants right now? But we can manufacture serotonin in our body. Endorphins, natural painkillers. How many people do we know on painkillers? You only have to look at the the crisis out there. So I want to teach people that we have a natural force within us that is very, very powerful. And how do you tap into it is what you and I are going to discuss more today.
0: That's just wonderful. And the book. So I have my copy here. It's a beautiful blue colored book. And I love how it is divided into really tangible, practical chapters. One is on the mind, the brain, the breath. I do want to talk a bit about breath today. The gut movement, heart, sleep, and immune system, and then a toolkit. So you could open this up to one specific chapter and and, and focus on that. So what inspired you to write this book?
1: Well, you know, I, I love to teach. I'm, I'm very passionate about teaching people to take care of themselves. And I was doing a lot of seminars in the community and at large just for corporations. And one of the, the participants was a lawyer. And she got up and she said, this is the most uh, significant piece of information. It's going to help me transform my life. Do you have a handout? And I said, well, actually, I don't. It's all in my head. And she said, well, you have to write a book. And I said, I actually didn't think about that. And she said, look, here's the name of some publishers. You've got to take what's in your head because you have a unique skill set with the pharmacy, the medical and the integrative medicine and the mind-body connection, you have to take that unique skill set and use it to to spread the message. And she thought it was an important message. And I went home and I said, you know, maybe I should. And as you know, Laura, (laughs) you probably interview a lot of authors. It's a daunting task when you make that commitment to write a book. And uh, as a physician, I had to write a book. And the challenge was to make it very credible and scientific-based, but also,, um, you know, palatable to to anyone who did not have a medical background. So this book is written with a lot of science background, but it is it is very, very digestible for anybody who doesn't have a medical background. So you can go deep as you want or take the message from each chapter as you need it.
0: Have you had mainstream very, very scientific, left brain medical people try to poke holes in it and argue with you very often on the integrative medicine side? No, I've had them be intrigued by it and then
1: ask questions. Certainly no one has challenged it because the evidence is so compelling. And each one of my chapters, I have a bibliography, but then I have a very large bibliography that the publisher couldn't put into the book. So if they want further data and everybody wants double-blind placebo control studies, because that's the way we're programmed as doctors to look for evidence, and so we should. And uh, so I have all that as a backup. Everything I've done is backed up by science and studies.
0: Wonderful. So how has it impacted people so far since it first came out? And where has it led you in your life journey? Val? You know, that's such an interesting question. it uh, I had no
1: idea that writing a book could open the doors and spread your message like nothing else. The spoken word is very powerful, but the written word is something that people can go back and listen to uh, go back and listen to on audible or go and read the book so i wake up every morning and i check my publisher sends me messages from all around the world so whether they've watched the ted talk which which you know has uh, almost a million views or they've read my book um I get messages that that just are so rewarding and satisfying because the book has gone into five different languages. So somebody sitting in Estonia is reading a book that has helped to transform the way they think, the way they show up in life, the way that their health might have you know had a different outcome had they not had this intervention. So it's very very gratifying for me personally and professionally. Obviously, as a doctor, I want to help others. In this. This has been a wonderful avenue to explore all the options of of you know the spoken and the written word for me
0: that just gives me goosebumps um i have a book that i'm about to embark on and it just i really look up to what you've done here and the fact that you do so with humility you're not doing so for the accolades or attention you're doing so to make a true impact globally
1: Yes, that that was my goal is to help as many people as I could because in the office I can see a patient. Sure, I help them one at a time. But through this uh, book and through shows like yours, your audience, you've got a targeted group of audience who are very invested in their health, their mental health, or their physical health. And and those are the things that you're bringing to them. And um, I think, you know, having people just know that, You can connect the mind and body, and the powerful connections uh, are there, and the information is there. And sure, I always put caveats in the book that if you're really sick and you're having symptoms, we need the intervention model. But if we can empower patients to take charge of their health and make informed decisions, you know, you look at our healthcare system today; it's so broken, waiting times, and overwhelm. Um, if we could teach patients self-empowerment tools for their health, I think it would make a tremendous difference to our healthcare burden.
0: Yeah, I I couldn't agree more, and and I agree with you. There is a time and place for prescriptions, but they I think they've been the leader. They're always the first reaction, the first step. They almost need to be the f- follower in some ways, right? We If we can learn these proactive strategies, and then they're not working, that's a different thing. But we don't give these enough attention.
1: Absolutely. It's just, uh, and it could be cultural as well, like our North American mindset is very much, you know, let's, let's, they, there's not a lot of patience, let's fix it quick. And it's a built very much a pill-taking culture. They want immediate gratification. And so when I looked, I was just in Japan recently, I was telling you, and the mindset there is very different. They go to a doctor only when they're sick. Their health care is covered by the government, 70% of it. But their mindset is that they're responsible for their health. So they all have a very very good routine and discipline of taking care of themselves, their diet, their lifestyle, the way that they engage. You've heard of the word ikigai, which is just a a wonderful Japanese word for discovering your essence and living your best life and living on purpose And part of their ikigai is to remain healthy. And so they're so engaged with others. They live on purpose. They work hard and they have the longest lifespan. And I always talk about health span versus lifespan. And we have a long lifespan here, but we don't have the longest health span. Health span means that you remain independent physically, emotionally. And you say you live till 95, but you're also independent. We're living till we're 85 in this country. The average, average woman outlives uh, the men. But we're spending a lot of time in nursing homes with disabilities. So we're, we're, we're looking at dementia or broken bones or mental health issues. So we need to really go back and take a big, big picture look at the way we're treating health care.
0: I love that concept of health span. That's that's a game-changing way to think about it. Thank you for that. And you really brought up some key points, and, and one of them that I really feel in my psychology practice in Canada Career Counseling, where we help people navigate different work situations and career pivots, what I'm seeing is a real mental health crisis or mental health pandemic lots of people are challenged with the stress the anxiety etc so what are you seeing a- around this mental health situation we're facing um
1: you know mental health has always been there anxiety depression is part of the human suffering or human condition. But I have to tell you, since the pandemic, post-pandemic, we started to look at all the data and we saw that the rise in prescription medication for anxiety and depression went up. The rise in substance abuse went up. uh, So cannabis use, alcohol use. So I think the pandemic highlighted and especially the vulnerable group or the marginalized group, the women too, uh, there was a higher percentage of mental health. In fact, there was a tsunami for both, both patients and healthcare workers and healthcare providers and physicians alike. And the tsunami evened out the playing field in some ways, Laura. I think that we realized this financial burden, this this fear of personal safety and health and increased workload, and women were working from home and also looking after their kids or looking after elders or unable to see their elders. All of those sort of accumulated to create a collective, you know, mental, big, big dark cloud over a society. And, and we're still just coming out of it economically and financially. But... I think it made us all realize how important it is to pay attention to our mental health because the mental health translates to physical symptoms. If 75% of our physical symptoms are attributed to chronic stress and anxiety because of the hormones I talked about, cortisol and adrenaline. And if that's the case, and the other 25% are viral, infectious, injury, well, that it behooves us to make sure we pay attention to what causes stress hormones. And that's where the whole nervous system, which, which is located in our brain, that's why it's so important for people to realize we can regulate our nervous system through the various... Um, various options that I'm going to go through with you rather than going to drugs all the time.
0: We can regulate what we're gifted with, our our own nervous systems and that is opening the doors to an internal pharmacy where it doesn't cost us for these beautiful healing hormones inside of us.
1: Absolutely.
0: Let's get a bit more specific here in terms of some tips that you can give to people. So, uh, you know, uh, what are the top three, say, areas or tools that seem to rise to the top of your book and get the most aha moments or or helping people, Dr. Pawa?
1: I would say that... One of the top things, or I'll I'll name three. But one of the top things is when I teach people that their nervous system is like this engine; it's always going, it's autonomous, it's making your heart beat. That you can actually reset it through breath work, and that's very profound because people think, "Well, I breathe." When when a baby's born, they take their first breath, and when you die you take your last breath, and life is all the breaths in between, right? So I when I went to Harvard, I was post-traumatic stress from the accident, the loss, the grief, the chronic pain, and they discovered that I was breathing, and most of us are walking around breathing very shallow from the upper one-third of our, our lungs. We've got a huge real estate to provide oxygen to our body. Oxygen is the drug of choice. So learning how to do box breathing, when you inhale through your nose, you hold for about five seconds, and then you put your mind attention, wherever your attention goes, energy flows. So put your attention on the breath. So this is how we discovered that maybe we call it BMW, breath, mind, and word. And the word is when you exhale. So you've inhaled, you've held it for five seconds, now you're going to exhale. You're going to make your exhale really long, and you're going to say a word, amen, om, whatever resonates with you. When you do the breath, mind, and word together, you reach a sweet spot in your nervous system, and it engages the vagus nerve. So not the vagus where you go to gamble, but this is the vagus nerve that supplies your heart, your lungs, and your gut, your three brains. And it actually resets how your blood pressure is working. It drops it. It improves oxygen saturation. Oxygen is the drug of choice to your tissues, and it lowers your heart rate. But more importantly, it drops the cortisone adrenaline. So then you're making chemicals that heal you, not harm you. So that would be the most profound is mind your breath, that chapter, I would say, because that gives you tools immediately. You're somewhere, you're anxious, you're worried. We teach this to first responders, the Navy SEALs, police, because they're in very stressful situations. And within, you know, a few seconds, you need to have a tool that you can regulate your nervous system so you don't go into a panic attack. And this is a very powerful way to do it through the breath work.
0: Fantastic, and I love acronyms, B-M-W. And when you are breathing out, my one question is, is it through your nose or through your mouth? Through your mouth, so inhale through your nose, bring in the oxygen through your nose, hold
1: it, let the oxygen saturate your lungs. Then breathe out the carbon dioxide and it'll release everything, release all the toxins out into the environment with a word, om, or yeah, om, amen, peace, whatever word resonates with you. And you're saying the word silently, Laura, in your mind when you're doing it. Yeah.
0: Beautiful. I absolutely love this. I've started with a new yoga teacher who's very much uh, about the breath. And I was holding my breath, getting into poses. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm definitely a shallow breather, and I'm going to practice this. I'm going to dive into this BMW practice. Thanks to you, Belle.
1: Oh, you're welcome. And the other two things, so you asked me about three things. So the one was the the Mind Your Breath chapter. I think it's extremely important because that's an immediate tool. The other ones um, are really important too. It's called Mind Your Movement about your muscles and the mind-muscle connection. And we really don't realize how important it is because our muscles, when they're tight, they send signals back up to the brain to say, hey, things are not okay, you're not safe. And and so it's really important to learn how to progressively relax your muscles. And and even when you exercise, there's a chapter in there called Mind Your Movement. When we build muscles in a good way, um, you know, through protein, through muscle bearing, weight bearing exercises, we actually impact our brain. So this means that as you see people aging, they get what we call sarcopenia. The muscles get thinner and weaker. But if we could keep the people healthy, and I talked about the the blue zones in the world, in Japan, and in Sardinia, and in, in Sicily. So they have uh, blue zones, and they show that these pop- people hold on to their muscle mass. So when you hold on to your muscle mass, you actually improve the size of your brain. Your brain doesn't atrophy. And also your bone density, of course, is better. So your brain density and bone density are affected by muscles. So that's a really important one. And the third one I would say is sort of the gut immune chapters, because 85% of your immune system is found in the gut. But when you're chronically stressed, you'll find that people have gut issues. They either get diarrhea or irritable bowel syndrome or heartburn. And when you wreak havoc with your gut, you are playing with your immune system. And if you look at all the autoimmune diseases, if you look at most diseases, it begins with inflammation in the gut, right? And then it spreads to other tissues. So it's really important to stay calm, eat properly, and I found that once I got people to be in a, a really calm, mindful state, they made better choices for their diet as well. So their gut health got better. Um, one, from the neurological system wasn't pushing on the, on the nervous system in the gut because we have a second brain in the gut. But secondly, they made better choices. They drank less. They abused Food less. They they made better choices for phytonutrients in their diet. So, having a good mindset is the cornerstone of everything else. All the choices and decisions you make.
0: Beautiful. So this is just so useful. I'm going to ask you about your work life wellness, Val. So what does work life wellness mean for you? And you know how do you keep practicing this and get up when you fall? fall down? Because I imagine it's not a perfect uh, art (laughs) to practice all the things in your beautiful book. Absolutely.
1: You know, um, I think that uh, as a physician, especially in integrative medicine, you have to practice what you preach. And I absolutely created a routine. And I think if I had to look at the successful health outcomes of the thousands of patients I've seen, I would say, the best recipe is called MEDS, M-E-D-S. So it makes life really simple. Otherwise, you become consumed by, okay, I got to watch my diet. I got to exercise. I got to take these supplements. So just think of it as a very simple acronym called MEDS, but it's not medication. M is for mindset. So we talked about the importance of having your mind in a consciousness state so that you're making, you're not a product of your conditioning. You wake up every day, you do the same things, you're going to get the same results. So having a mindset means waking up in the morning and spending five or 10 minutes before you pick up your phone and doing the breath work to set an intention for the day. So you set your intention, there's your M. And then well, throughout the day, you have opportunities to be active or not be active, to eat properly, not eat properly. So the E is for exercise. You know, choose the stairs, take a longer walk, park your car further away. Try to be a lot more active because when we're exercising, we're burning off cortisol and adrenaline. We're building up muscle, all good things for your for your body. The D is for diet. When your M is working, your mindset, you will make better choices for your diet. You're not just eating to, to live or living to eat properly. So you're making choices for more plant-based, better protein, better better sourced meats, you're not having highly processed foods. So you're making good choices. And then, you know, looking at the supplements that we don't get in our diet, put that under your D, Uh, vitamin D, for example, or omega-3 or magnesium, all things that help your nervous system to calm down. So that's the D. And the S is really important because that's sleep. And when I refer to sleep, I'm also talking about rest away from your phone and away from our our devices because our attention spans are very disrupted due to our phones. And so sleep means turning off your phone, getting a good six to eight hours of consecutive sleep, and throughout the day taking five or ten minutes to, to not look at emails and not be conditioned by texting and messages that disrupt our attention span, which actually also impact our nervous system. So I invite your um, audience to try to create a personal recipe for their wellness, a routine called meds. And that's what's worked for me to get the work-life balance.
0: I love it. Oh, I just love your acronyms. And they're so easy to remember. And, and they're not overwhelming, because I think you're right, we do get overwhelmed with not doing enough of any one thing, and then we end up just dropping the ball on the things that are most important to our, our life and our well-being. So thank you for that, that acronym. Um, I know that you're an avid learner. I can tell that about you. Uh, but what do you read or listen to for your own growth or development that you want to share with our audience?
1: Well, yes, you're correct. I'm a consummate learner, and that makes me a, a, a passionate teacher, I suppose, because my curiosity is is fueled by by a passion to learn and make things better and help people live their the best version of their lives. And I I listen to all sorts of um, podcasts, so you know you're doing a great service, uh, Brené Brown. Uh, I uh, work. Closely with Gabor Mate's work, uh, Dr. Deepak Chopra, and then for fun, I love poetry as well. Um, so Rumi, and and with everything that's going on in the world right now, and the conflict in the Middle East, it really creates a, as I was saying, a collective cloud, a burden on society. So it's really important to balance all that. And reading reading books that are inspiring and hopeful, um, being in nature, and I I love cooking. Actually, I think food is medicine, and so I'm all about creating very very healthy recipes that are that are gourmet. So I've gone to professional cooking schools, but I try and create things that are you know it's hard to make fiber taste good, but you can make fiber taste really good with with a beautiful Chimichurri sauce, for example. So I I try and find creative ways of getting good nutrients with creative um, culinary capers. <laughs>
0: wow, it sounds delicious, and it sounds like a passion and a way that you unwind after your busy days at the clinic or the hospital with mentoring the the new physicians, etc. Yes, it's cooking is therapy for me. Beautiful Deepak Chopra. So I've been doing his meditations for well since the pandemic really and I just adore him and I I am so you know in awe that you got to learn from him so what stood out to you about working directly with Deepak and what has he left you with that you've been able to apply to your career?
1: You know I think the timing in my life, when I, when I, and the timing of his career, it, there was a really nice. And he talks about the word synchro destiny, that everything happens for a reason. And so, when the student is seeking, he finds the teacher. So, so, so it was in my case. Uh, I ended up meeting Deepak Chopra before he was really famous, and he took eight doctors, and he created a, a course called perfect health. And it was in La Jolla, California. And he would come in his t-shirt and shorts. And he was an endocrinologist. So that attracted me that he had the credibility. He he was a medical doctor. But he was able to look at endocrinology and address neuroplasticity, both from science, how we change our brain. Uh, Neuroplasticity is is that um, aspect. From science, and also bringing spirituality, but not necessarily religion or didactic religion. But he brought spirituality through the breath work, and um, that was that was very very unique. And of course, he he was met with a lot of skepticism at the time, but because his work had such great outcomes, um, it was absolutely compelling that we listened to what he was saying. He's written over a hundred books and people have had a lot of success by following his principles of meditation of yoga of living life consciously so all those things have panned out so the proof is in the pudding and i think what stood out was his humility his academic achievements and his passion to continue he's 80 almost 80 years old and he's still writing books And he is truly ageless. And uh, I do respect him immensely for for the work he's done and continues to do.
0: Beautiful. My final question um, for you, Belle, is if you had one wish for a better world when it comes to people's health and wellness, what would that be? I think it's
1: learning to, it's it's called self-realization. We're all born, we're biologic human beings. But if we don't Connect our biology with our psychology and our emotional state. Our emotional state is going to determine our physical state, and it's seamless. And I want people to be very aware of their emotional state, their nervous system, and that they have control over it, and they can have a better physical state and better health once they learn about their psychological and emotional state.
0: Beautifully put. Well, thank you so much. I've learned so much. I am integrating this more and more into my work with both individuals and organizations. And I feel like the the whole human is what you have in workplaces, what you have in leadership roles. And the whole human needs to start with their emotional and nervous system health and that'll cascade into the physical rather than putting the band-aid treatments on our anxiety our depression etc and not looking at proactively healing Um, so that would be the way that i would sum this up and i would highly recommend your book i'm going to take another look because it's been a few months at the breath work chapter at the gut chapter Um, I think that this book is a great reference resource. It's going to sit on the shelf you see behind me at the office. Um, And you are doing incredible things for the world, Dr. Pawa. And I'm just honored and delighted to be able to share this episode with our viewers and listeners. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Thank you and stay well. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Where Work Meets Life. If you found this content valuable, please rate and review the episode and share with others who may benefit. Visit me on my website at drlaura.live and sign up for my monthly e-newsletter full of tips and resources. I'm also a passionate keynote speaker and would be delighted to speak with you on your speaking needs. Stay well.